Welcome to the Retail Ramble podcast, brought to you by Essential Retail, the independent voice in retail technology. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching an e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. And that's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com ramble to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com forward slash ramble. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Retail Ramble podcast. I'm Caroline Baldwin, I'm your host and I'm also the editor of Essential Retail. Today we're going to be talking about moving products around the world in the middle of a pandemic. Something that if you don't necessarily work directly in supply chain that you probably haven't really thought too much about before. Um, But I expect it's probably difficult enough as it is, never mind when you throw a coronavirus into the situation. So to discuss this, I have Julia, she's the head of inbound and CSR at the clothing brand Naked. Um, Julia, thank you so much for joining us this morning on the Retail Ramble podcast. Um, We're obviously recording this remotely. Very sad that I'm not going to uh, see you over a coffee face to face. So where in the world are you um, dialing in from, so to speak? Hi, Caroline. Uh, Thank you for for having me on the podcast. I'm joining from Gothenburg, where we have our headquarters. Fantastic. So is it a Swedish brand then? Tell us a little bit about Naked. Yes, it's it's Swedish. Uh, it was founded back in 2015 by our CEO, Jarno van Haptio. And we are an online fashion retailer who is uh, trying to take Europe by storm. And how's that going so far? And uh, has the pandemic put a bit of a dent in that or how's, how's it been? No, actually not. We, we are doing our first uh, ever profitable EBITDA quarter, the, the second quarter of 2020, and uh, we are doing really good. So tell me a little bit more about the brand. So um, getting into fashion at the moment is quite quite a, um, um, a a task, really. You know, there's so many players in the industry. There's some um, players that are doing online really, really well. It must be um, very difficult to break into that um, side of the industry. So what what um, what makes your brand different and stand out? I'd say we are a Scandinavian aesthetic brand with a range of social media platforms. Our foundation has always been to be very open and interactive with our customers. So from the beginning, it's been very consumer centric. So initially, uh, our concept was to sell everything from all different brands and all different price points. But we noticed quite quickly that once we started listening to our customers, they actually preferred our products rather than those from external brands. Interesting. Yeah. So this observation in being in tune with our social media made us realize we needed to respond to the customer's request and create products that 
are in demand with our followers. So you kind of started off more of a marketplace and you and do you mm. still sell those other third party? But what kind of brands are you selling on that side of the business? Yeah, we still have some external brands, um, but it's become more of a heritage business. Uh, more or less. So we still have uh, Levi's and Calvin Klein, for example. Mm, fantastic. That's um, that's really interesting. So you've managed to um, pivot the business due to consumer demand. Around about when did you start doing that? Well, I think that's been around since, since the start because we, we had this thought that we would uh, use influencers for different collections mm. and uh, working with them as well as we've been always very active on social media. So, for instance, we have nearly 3 million followers on Instagram and over 600,000 likes on TikTok. So, wow. Has TikTok, our... TikTok been uh, rather uh, big in the last few months, I presume, as well? Yeah, huge. Fabulous. So tell me more about yourself and your role. What does um, Where were you before Naked? And tell me a little bit about the role you're doing now and what that means in uh, at, at the brand. I'm a logistician, um, but I haven't had a straight plan towards logistics at, at all. But when I finished university and after working a few years at Volvo Trucks here in Gothenburg, I, I realised how much I like problem solving. I think that's why I'm always drawn to startups problems seems to be their most common thing I'd say. Mm. So before joining Naked I worked at Happy Socks and before that I was a consultant manager at eWork, a tech-oriented consultant broker. I see and um, what's one of the biggest problems that you've had to solve at Naked so far then? There's a lot of problems within a startup and as we are growing so fast I'd say that is the the main issue to mm. to keep up with the volumes. I'm sure I'm sure and has that been um, is that volumes in terms of product or volumes in terms of orders or other parts of the business what's the um, what's the what's happening there with the with the volumes? <laughs> yeah a, a volume everywhere because when when you grow this fast as we've done there there is a huge amount of orders coming through there's a huge amount of products there's a huge amount of information needed to be spread throughout the organization and huge amount of, of emails to be answered and huge amount of uh, projects going on at the same time because everyone is so keen to to make it work and make it happen so you are doing bits and bobs of everything everywhere more or less and what does it mean if you, you you know, you don't manage to solve those problems as quickly as like an established business or some, uh, you know, what's the, um, when, when you're a startup, why is that so important? I'd say because uh, we we only have one shot. Um, that that would be the main reason. Mm. Um, we, we we need to prove ourselves from, from the beginning. And if we don't, then perhaps our time window is out. I guess so. I suppose if you're a customer and say you are going down the brand route and you're buying a pair of Levi's from you guys and it, you know the order's delayed or something like that then well why would you bother buying with you guys again? You may as well just go direct to Levi's and mm. maybe that's um, another good reason to be go- going on your own producing your own branded clothing at the moment especially when D2C is taking up but yeah as a startup it must be really hard and um, people aren't as forgiving as they um, mm-hmm. as they used to be. No, that's that's not. Uh, I would say that's the word for it. I, I agree. 
And um, during um, COVID as well, uh, customers have seemed to be a little bit more forgiving. I must admit, you know, whether it's a case of um, understanding that supermarkets, um, their local supermarket doesn't have all the, the exact products that they would normally have during the height of the um, the stockpiling or whether it's a case of the e-commerce order is going to take a little bit longer. Have you found that as well? Or is that have I just been speaking to really uh, kind customers? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I would say I agree. We are a brand which has a lot of, of products. So I think that during the pre- uh, pandemic, the consumers has also been a bit bored. So they had had time to, mm. to scroll down our website and manage to find products that at first of glance, they, they perhaps wouldn't find. I think it's more about time as well than anything else for us. I- I see. So firstly, where do you sell into in Europe? Who's able to buy your products? As we are an online brand, we we sell to nearly everyone all over the globe. And obviously we have to check this now in the UK as well with the with all of the Brexit going on. Yeah, we we are. And we That's also have hear. a small <laughs> we also have a small uh, wholesale business. So we have some shops and oh. retailers in the UK as well. I see. So how has that been? Firstly, outline the challenge of moving the products around pre-2020 and how has that got maybe more difficult or more challenging as this year has progressed? The the COVID-19 started just after Chinese New Year so that was when the volumes were already lower. It wasn't that big of an effect from the beginning which meant that we were kind of prepared that the the volumes were going down and the the vessels were fewer and there, there were a lot of blank sailings so it didn't hit us as hard at first. But then realizing that more and more uh, production facilities were, were closed down to protect the workers, we, we didn't get to our goods out from, from the factories. And then we realized that the corona was spreading all over the world and we, are, we were trying to, to mitigate the risk of that. So compared to before the pandemic, it was much easier to get stock out from the facilities and it was easier to, to get bookings and moving the, the goods to our warehouses. How long typically would it take to get a pair of jeans from the factory in China through to maybe a British customer in London? By uh, the, the transport and the warehouse and then out again, I would say about eight, nine weeks or so. Got you. And what's that now? I'd say it's it's rather about the same. We have this fantastic digital freight forwarder Flexport that has helped us a lot. We are not bound to one specific route or company. They are trading lanes for us. We are kind of flexible in our transport ways, which has also helped us a lot. So it's a case of when you saw that there was a problem, you were able to kind of flex a little bit and change and and, and what was it a case of literally change the carriers that you were using and um, change the modes of transport? Yeah, exactly. Actually, we we use their platform online to provide them with information of the cargo the suppliers do. So they, they book their own transports and we just monitoring it, which means that for us, we, we don't care if we ship with the CMA, C, CGM, or if we ship with Costco or Mashco or whatever. We we provide the dates to Flexport and they serve us with this service. I see. And is it quite typical to use a platform like that or is it usually done in-house? I'd say it, it depends. Flexport is rather new on the market, if you're allowed to say so, for a startup that started in 2016, I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair. Yeah, uh, and, and they, they kind of transform the, the shipping market because of their platform. 
And logistics is all about papers and documents and, mm-hmm. and emailing back and forth. And they have taken away that for many of us. It's it's quite common to have a flight forwarder, but I, I don't know how common it is to be that flexible that Flixport is. What else does it kind of provide you better visibility? What, what other kind of... Um things does it give you yeah the the visibility and the transparency is two key notes that i really want to point out but also the analytics point of view because we Mm -hmm. ship nearly everything with flexport and they they have a good source of data and then for us to to compare throughout the years and also different flows and different factories and we can also compare the volumes from month to month. It's much easier forecasting with having all that data close to hand. How long have you been using Flexport for? Almost two years now. So now that you've used um, Flexport for one year of crazy and one year of normal, um, and you're going to be looking into you know things going back to business as usual a little bit more, what's the next plan? Are you looking to I don't know tighten up sustainability or do some more automation? What's um what what's your goals for the product and and also just your role? It's funny you are pinpointing those two things that we have top of mind: uh, the the automation and the sustainability. Because ah, did I get Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a lot about the uh, document check and, and the manual handling within the logistics uh, and, and the supply chain. So my main goal is to automize as, as much as possible. We have a great partnership with Flexport to work on that and trying to develop a, a new way of uh, order management system so that we are not forced to double check everything all the time rather using uh, computer systems to to do so and making sure that the information put into the system is also correct when it's going out. In regards to, to sustainability, I think that's on top of everyone's mind at the, at the moment, uh, and it should be. And in terms of that, for the supply chain, we are offsetting all carbon emissions, for instance, and we are launching new greener collections and we are trying to do a lot of different initiatives throughout the organization to move to a, towards a, a greener company. What are the ambitions then? Are you hoping to, because a lot of people, um, a lot of businesses out there, you know, they're shouting a lot about sustainability and there's a lot of um, talk about greenwashing and trying to trying to do it from a PR standard. But uh, from your perspective, as I said at the beginning, you know, you don't really think about sustain- uh, supply chain too much unless you're actually in that part of the business, especially if you're uh, thinking from a consumer angle. So the fact that you are doing sustainable bits and pieces in the supply chain already as a young business is the company widely trying to kind of make it green inside and out and is it quite a um, difficult task to do or because you're such a young business did you kind of start out doing some sustainability bits and pieces five years ago as, as we are a startup, I think that we have a better shot at uh, doing things right from the beginning. I think that the initiatives that we are doing is, or everything is moving towards our overarching goal to be 100% sustainable by 2025. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so that's a quite an aggressive goal and we need to, to step up the game to achieve it. That's really aggressive. So 100% <laughs> sustainable in the next five years. Um, yeah. And again, to your point, I'm guessing being a startup does help you get the right things in order from the beginning. What, where's going to be the hardest part of that? Is, is the supply chain going to be a tricky part to achieve those goals? 
I, I, I think so, because the, the hardest part, I would say, is visibility. Even though we can control what's happening within our walls and what's happening in our organization, However, it's harder to control what's happening in tier two and tier three and, th- and tier four, for example, and what's happening after we leave the goods as well. So we uh, we need to have a broader perspective of our sustainability and we need to have better control of what's happening and uh, perhaps put higher demands on the different companies that we are working with. And what about actually moving these goods around? Going back to that, talking about this movement around the globe and the global footprint, for instance, how do you physically move your products at the moment? And will that change to a different type of transport? We are currently have production sites in in China and Turkey mainly. Uh, And to move the goods, we are using primarily vessels. Mm-hmm. And, and trucks from, from Turkey. One good thing about sustainability is that it goes hand in hand with economics most of the time. So if we have high utilization of containers, we also can fit more goods, which is better course, for the yeah. environment, but it's also better for our wallet. So we are constantly trying to, to push the limit for utilization. And that is something that Flexport also helps us with. And we during the pandemic, we, we also introduced the rail transportation from, from China, this because there were a, a lot of blank sailings and we, we needed to get the, the goods out. That's so what do you mean by that, sorry, blank sailings? By blank sailings, I mean the vessel companies, they, they close their departure down because they want to um, move goods to another sailing to, to make sure that there is enough volume. Okay, uh, I see. Or it's a tool they use to increase the the rates for the different lanes. I see and that's that's also benefiting obviously in the ethical and, and sustainability aspects so that's something that's already been done outside of your remit. Mm. What do you think is going to be one of the biggest challenges that you will face personally over the next five years up until that date that sustainability goal? Wow, that, that's a hard question. I think that one of the the main uh, challenges will will be to to keep up and try to uh, keep the the ears towards the grounds to to hear what's what's going on to mm-hmm. constantly be in front of development because I think for Naked we need to be in the front in order to succeed. Sometimes it's easy when when things are are going well. It's easy to become fat and happy and. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That, that is not the position where you want to be. But I think it, it would be challenging times ahead because we, we have a lot of demands of, of sustainability and also efficiency, etc. But I think that is what I share with every logistics manager around the world. I think you have just said one of my favourite analogies on the Retail Rumble podcast. So when everything's <laughs> going well, it's so easy to become fat and happy. But, you know, business <laughs> is all about being agile and lean. So, yeah, let's not make sure that that doesn't happen. That's, that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, Julia, thank you so much. We're running out of time. I've got uh, one more question that I've got to ask you, which is what we ask everyone at the end of the Retail Rumble, which is um, what is the one buzzword in your industry that's driving you a bit mad at the minute and you just kind of wish that everyone would stop saying <laughs> except for for corona or covid-19 yeah we've had that a few times so i'm going to have to like ban that from uh, from the ramble dictionary altogether but yeah apart from that yeah no i i knew that this uh, question were were coming and uh, the first word that popped up in my head was tangible 
that that's the word I'm always hearing now, that our results need to be tangible. We need to do um, initiatives that are tangible. Whenever we discuss something new, this is the answer to, to everything. It needs to be tangible. And what does tangible even mean in, in your respect? Or is that the reason it's a buzzword? It doesn't really have a meaning. Well, I, I think that my, uh, your your question says it all. Um, I think it means a lot of different things for, for different people. Uh, the way I interpret it, we need to do something that matters or that really feels or, or make really impression. I see, I see. But yeah, but we don't like, we don't want to use tam- tangible. That Again, I, I, that's a really good one to add. None of our guests have said that, but it's so true. You read it in financial reports or kind of a along the same lines as pivoting and being agile but what does it actually mean I don't know Julia thank you so much for um sharing your time with us today I know you must be super busy been really interesting chatting to you about um, moving these goods around and learning a little bit more about naked supply chain and uh, what you guys are doing in sustainability and really good luck with that goal for over the next five years thank you thank you so much and to our listeners out there thanks so much for listening to this episode of the retail ramble podcast we are going to be going to a bi-weekly episode from now on so we will be back with you with another episode in two weeks time thanks so much goodbye It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more online shopping recently. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash ramble to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash ramble.